So have you ever noticed that there's things in life that we just don't talk about? And I suppose a question that I have around that is why? Hello, everyone. Happy holidays. This is Shara Carruthers here, and you're listening to the Live Like You Love Yourself podcast. And today I'm really excited to be bringing you what we're calling a special bonus episode. And it's a conversation that Maria and I had a couple of weeks ago, just prior to her going into the hospital for surgery on uh cancer that she had um, that was diagnosed earlier this year. And we made the decision to create this special conversation in part because there were lots of questions in the space. For me, uh, perhaps it's somebody who's always been pretty healthy. Um, Maybe it's a remnant of my family dynamic, but talking about illness, especially something as potentially devastating as cancer has always felt like a place that I didn't want to go. And I can imagine, especially now after having this conversation with Maria, that talking about something, again, as potentially devastating as cancer, when it's you who is dealing with it and trying to work your way through what this could mean for your life, um, for your family, and for the folks who know you, I can imagine perhaps not wanting to talk about that as well. And so over the last year, as Maria has been going through this experience, in as much as we are talking people, we haven't talked about it. And we recognized as folks who are dedicated and perhaps committed to talking about the things that we don't talk about. We recognize the need to bring this conversation out into the open. I had questions. There were things that I, that deep down, I really wanted to know about what it could be like to be experiencing something that we don't experience. We don't know how to deal with necessarily uh, and how are, how do the tools of yoga, how do all of these things that you learn and that you practice, how do they serve you in some of the darkest and most challenging times in your life? These are things that I really wanted to know. But in all honesty, they were questions that I didn't necessarily want to burden Maria with. And so Maria being Maria was incredibly generous in, I suppose, making that decision to share her experience honestly and wholeheartedly with me and also with you. Um, And because of that, I think I will be forever grateful because this conversation was, was really, uh, it was beautiful. It was, it felt to me like it was giving me permission to ask the challenging questions, not just in my relationship with Maria, but a little bit more in the world. And so in that way, it was very much a breakthrough for me. And when we when we recorded this conversation, we weren't entirely sure whether we were going to share it, to be honest. We just knew that it was a conversation that needed to be had. But we decided, once the conversation was complete, that we couldn't not share it. And so I, I can say that Maria has gone through her surgery. She's, if you've seen any photos of her, or videos of her on Instagram, you know that she is 
on the mend, but you may, after listening to this conversation, you may also recognize that, that the process of healing is a complicated one and it's one that will take some time. But I hope, like me, that you will also have a sense of calm and a sense of quiet or maybe not so quiet confidence in Maria's ability to apply the tools of yoga and apply what she's learned in her life. And also, I suppose, apply her sheer love of life in a way that is healing and that will mean that she's back on her feet fully uh, in short order. So with that, I invite you to hopefully enjoy this conversation that Maria and I had about her current situation. It's nice doing? to be in the same room. I know it is. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be having this conversation with you because honestly, in some ways, I feel like <clears throat> even though as we talk it may come up that I'm wrong, but I feel like I feel like this call this conversation has been a little bit of a little bit of a time in coming. Like it's something that I don't know, like it it could have happened earlier, but it's always, you it have to trust have, it. But it's kind of nice. I also loved our conversations being a refuge from mm. it and that we talk about yoga. There's something yeah. so much fun uh, not talking about yourself, myself or yeah. not talking about. So it's really, I love, I love taking that refuge and going, just knowing we're going to get all that yoga juice yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad you so said that too. I haven't felt like. Why haven't we talked about yeah, it? Yeah, because I've been feeling kind of guilty no. that we haven't had this deep and meaningful conversation yet about your situation and what's happening mm-hmm. and how it started and how it feels and all the rest of it. So I'm... I'm and I'm, let's see how deep and meaningful it even gets. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's kind of it's such an interesting thing. Yeah. So what are we talking about? Well, I, wanna, I would like to get a sense for the timeline mm. and for all of it. So... Right. We're talking about Maria's cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that reminds me. And by the way, so just if you're hearing that, and if you haven't heard on other episodes, um, yes. So I, right now, after, um, I'll give you the timeline. Anyway, the prognosis is good, so relax, um, whoever's getting anxious. But I had a little painful (laughs) spot in my leg that I found in a massage, and it was like, oh, and it was in my upper inner thigh, and if you didn't poke it, it didn't hurt, so Mm -hmm. I didn't worry about it. While traveling, I thought, could it be a DVT or something? Anyway, I was going to get, I wanted to do my bone density to, to make myself an experiment of one. And I thought, why not get an ultrasound at the same time? Mm-hmm. It was weird. She said, get an, um, an MRI. And then it was like, ooh. And it looked a lot like, um, so I got a referral to a specialist. And he said, now, just to warn you, but, you know, it might be this sarcoma thing, which is really bad. So for a week of my life, just as COVID came down, mm-hmm. I possibly had something that you have a five percent chance of living so it was really that was an intense week and you wait and easter thursday he called me at six thirty in the afternoon and said oh how surprising you don't have a malignancy uh. you have an autoimmune inflammatory condition 
called IgG4Zs. And we're going to put you on some steroids, give you to another guy, and put you on some steroids. So then I went on this steroid thing, which was makes you very productive. It's not very comfortable, but I mean, you know, really productive. Put out the yoga for mental health course. And, go, go, go. And also go. went a little crazy. Like, yeah. not a little crazy, but it was, it's uncomfortable because you feel like someone's chasing you at like your heart rate's there and you've got all this energy and you think, I must be anxious. So your, sto- your head tells you a story about why you're so... And then you go, no, 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 sweetheart, you're on steroids. Yeah. So at least I had the yoga to kind of go, no. Yeah. Your, your thoughts and your feelings aren't you. It's, it's a drug and stuff. But then I got re-MRI'd and it, it was the same. Exactly the same. So I'd gone all the way up and all the way down and gotten off it and, and nothing, nothing worked. So my doctor said, I'm not giving you another treatment. Everything about you doesn't feel right for this disease. Mm-hmm. And I will not give you a second treatment until I know that I'm treating what I'm treating. And I want a second one. Yeah. So finally, this is April to October, I got a second biopsy. And the second biopsy came back and it was malignant. And mm-hmm. it's a very rare kind of cancer and it's called epithelial hemangioendothelioma for those of you who like to look stuff up but I have it in soft tissue not my lungs or my liver I'm really lucky so it's a one in a million very rare mostly indolent which means lazy so it's not moving around or it's not no and I think it has been there in my uh, because it's in my uh, uh, in my left thigh Mm -hmm. and there's a node in my um, pelvis and I have sensed presence there and Mm -hmm. difference there for years and I mean seven probably wow and I kept thinking why am I not I do so much stability work and so much what's going on with my sacroiliac joint on the left side I stabilize 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 why is it keep getting pulled out yeah and it keeps getting pulled out because it was actually like offset by because this this thing is in my art in my femoral artery okay so of course you can't stretch it yeah anyway as soon as I got the diagnosis in April it was actually painful so I've actually been on Osteopanadol, which is like the um, old person's version of Tylenol or Panadol, round the clock, plus an anti-inflammatory thing. So I've had to deal with pain as well. Anyway, now it's a malignancy, and they're like, it's only in soft tissue, and we're going to chop it out. But they have to chop out my femoral artery, replace it with a vein. So it's going to be big surgery on on the 10th when it happens. But in a way, that's good. Because after waiting and waiting and knowing and knowing that this wasn't the right thing, I kept thinking, I want this thing out of here. Can't we chop it out? And the the immunologist is like, take it easy. (laughs) And I'm like, but it really goes to show that if you practice yoga and you're embodied a little bit, Mm. your body tells you stuff. And you shouldn't talk yourself out of it. Mm. You have to be careful not to be a hypochondriac of the first order. But, yeah. but if something, I always say to people, if pain keeps you up at night. Yep. See, I thought I was menopausal. Mm. Anyway, that's the sort of story. And they reckon out it comes and I should be fine. So I say that it's not going to, it's going to be a big surgery, but it's also, I am fit and well and ready. Yeah. Right. I just shortened like a huge story, but yeah. I didn't even shorten We're it. going back. We're Don't going you worry. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is like that movie where they tell you the whole thing <laughs> yeah. and then you go, okay, let's dive back into yeah. You need to the tell beginning. people the end yeah. at the beginning because otherwise people worry for yeah. you and... Um, and I don't want anyone to worry for me. Otherwise, yeah. I frankly wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't... Why give people that to worry about if they can't do anything about it? Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. And this is good because this kind of gives me a bit of a lay of the land from which to kind of 
dive in and question and kind of zero in on certain aspects of it. The first thing that's striking me is the fact that you said that for seven years you had a sense, you had a sense that something wasn't quite right or something. And so can you, can you talk about that? What, what was that like and how are you, um, how are you dismissing it? How are you, how is, how are you holding it? I, it was a sense that, you know, when you do like a wide legged forward fold, Uh And then you might bend, yeah, Yeah. exactly. You might bend one knee and stretch the one the straight leg, and Uh then you bend the other. I was like, why is my left inner thigh so tight? You know, not it wasn't ridiculously tight. It's it's minute, but I'm a really sensitive yogi type. Mm. But I was like, that's interesting. Like I'm not doing anything different, and I so then I would really make sure that I used it equally and I strengthened it equally, and and there was nothing else kind of wrong. But then as things over the years after pregnancies and stuff I've really stabilized worked a lot especially especially as the last two years have happened um, my sacroiliac on my left side just got more and more unstable mm. but my practice is not making it unstable like mm. I don't do anything stupid no mm-hmm. splitsy things no and I know how to stabilize I know how to I can I know how to feel my pelvis and know what I'm stretching mm. and it was like what is going on for this and I didn't understand it. So, of course, you self-blame like an mm-hmm. idiot. You know, you think, you know, what is it? What am I doing? And that's sort of how it manifested. And, and, and a kind of a sense, like a... Then in the, in the year, I could really tell the difference. Like suddenly last... It was in the middle of last year. My dad was dying. I went to New York in July and in October and then when he died in November. Mm. And so I was traveling a lot and... Sitting wasn't as comfortable, and sitting for a long time wasn't comfortable because I sit on my leg and it squishes the blood vessels, and so it. And I was also waking up at night, mm. so I thought it was in menopause. pain or discomfort. You know, I'm a 54 or? year old woman, not in dis- in pain, yeah. but I did have I I do have requirements when I sleep, like mm. I have to have a pillow under this leg, and so I was definitely building my sleep comfort around this, mm. and even in positions of like cross-legged or Baddha Konasana, I would have to maybe support under that knee a little mm-hmm. bit. And I thought, what is this? Like, what's going on? So, yeah, I just did it. I'm happy to support it. I'm happy to profit. I've got no ego, like, things. But yeah. I just, it was just interesting when I spent so much time to kind of create symmetry. And then as it changed, so that it's the quality of this cancer is indolent, which is lazy, but then it can turn, aggressive is a bad word, but it wakes up. It's like it wakes up and starts to be fizzy. Mm. Then I could feel I was like I'm hot, and I hadn't. I I'm, I'm through menopause. Like I'm done a few years, you know. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the time to feel hot, and this global, you know, is a global warming. But it was more there is energy coming from that area of my body. Mm-hmm. There is, hmm. and it's literally more cellular activity. That's what they show when they do a PET scan. Yeah, it, it's eating more sugar. Right. So. I could sort of sense it in my appetite for sugar and mm. in my, um, yeah, I could sense this activity. And and that's what happens when you're really sensitive. Yeah. But you kind of talk yourself out of it a little bit because you think, oh, come on, stop being so sensitive. Yeah. But you probably shouldn't. If something is there, and you have to be careful when you're waking up at night because it wasn't painful, but if so, if you're constantly waking up, it is worth investigating things. And so what was it that finally had you say, okay, this is, 
I'm going to just check this out. Like override whatever yeah. logical thing that was happening in your brain. So that was March. I came, I went skiing in early March. So just, you know, it was like the last thing anyone could do before COVID. And the skiing built up my quads, which makes the space for this tumor smaller. And so it was a little more uncomfortable. Hmm. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I went to my GP and said, I need, you need a prescription here. Even if you're going to pay for your own bone scan, you need a prescription in Australia. Hmm. And I said, I think I might get this thing checked out because really bad things don't, they grow really quickly. So it was, she said, sure you can. If you have an instinct, absolutely. You know, from what I've thought, it's not, of course it's this one in a million rare thing. Why would she think of that? So I, I just listened to myself and went, yeah, why not go and do this? Yeah. And yeah, I thought, there it is. And interestingly, by the time I got the result, so two weeks later, it was pain. So mm. I lost my, my saphenous nerve, which um, enervates your front shin, inside calf, and down to kind of the inside foot. Mm -hmm. That went dead. So de that all that means is that you have sensory deadness on the surface. Mm -hmm. It's not a functional nerve, it's just sensory. So it feels like I put wax on my skin. Hmm. And then and I'm so, feeling through the wax. Right, so I can I see. feel like gentle pressure, uh -huh. but it's kind of... Not that level of sensitivity. You don't get that first level of sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't feel the hairs on your skin tell mm -hmm. you something. And, and then, it, then it started to hurt. So I started to need Panadol. And then there was... Yeah, that's the pain story. So it was kind of in the nick of time. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Or it sort of wasn't because they got it wrong, but still. And did you... Did they give you was the first kind of outside of the pain and the lack of sensitivity was the first sense that you had that it could be something more serious once you got your test results back or was that were you still kind of like yeah well, okay no. well no no i when they said oh it's not a, a malignancy yeah you know so i've, I've prepared to die like we, i was all it was an interesting week so okay so wait, when did that happen so like that's, that's the, it, basically that's... the week before easter 2020 so covid's gone down yeah things are heightened i've shut my whole business down everything's yeah. happened and, and I'm dying for a week. And they told you, holy so he crap, just said, this is... He just said, you know, this is what we're investigating. And, and should it be? Like, don't get, don't worry. We, you don't, don't panic. He was yeah. not being hysterical. But he just said, you know, this is one of the things I'd really like to rule out. Well, right. of course you hear that. And, <laughs> and I also think you need to prepare yourself to die. Yeah. So I, I did, so to speak. But the, wow, the fear. And the, wow, what your mind does. It plans your funeral, your final speeches, the videos you're going to make for your kids. Um, all of it, it, go, it has no pride and no shame. Your mind is all over the place. And then your witness mind is like, or your heart is going, could you just come back to the present? Like mm. right now, you don't have anything. Right now, nothing has changed from last week. Mm. It's just your mind doing this. Yeah. And in the end, at the end of the week, he said, oh, not a malignancy. And I thought, oh, good. I'm, okay, I'm not dying. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, I am going to respond to these steroids so quickly. So I just thought, great, we'll clear this right up. Mm. And then it didn't. Mm. And it didn't. And it didn't. And it didn't. And the pain just continued to kind of incrementally increase. And the pain is a kind of pain. It's not really s screaming. Like, I probably wouldn't have even got to five or what out of ten. Mm -hmm. It, it might have been at a five out of ten. But the quality of it was wrong. And so they're telling me it's an inflammation thing. Mm -hmm. I know inflammation. I've, I've worked too hard or bruised myself or, you know, sprained something. 
it didn't have that quality. So again, so you, you have this embodied sense, you know, you got this sense, it was like, this feels like someone is grabbing my artery or grabbing my nerve. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me feel anxious a little bit, yeah. kind of doomed and kind of like hungry, like I need warmth and security. I was, it's kind of, it had a mood to it. Yeah. That, so it was, it was, I could take it, but I couldn't do anything when I had it. So between drugs, I was, I, I, I just, I couldn't do anything. Like I could cook a little bit, but I just had to spend my time kind of breathing and moving and managing the pain. Mm. Whereas if I took the two Tylenol, it was okay. Yeah. And then eventually I needed to upgrade and take a anti-inflammatory. So you could feel, then I got, then I got despairing. And then you yeah. have to wait for this course to happen. Mm -hmm. So waiting powerlessly has been the hardest thing. Hmm. And I feel, you feel like you're being a really good girl and doing what you're told. And then the other part of you feels like an idiot because part of you knows it's not right. Yeah. And should you speak out? But you have right. to let a process happen. You know, you have to trust them. They were doing, they'd had the biopsy. They were doing the best they could. I was getting the best care for what they knew. Yeah. But the minute it didn't work, he didn't like it either. Yeah. This guy. The doctor? He's interesting. He's a doctor. I, everything's e-health. And he's like, no, the first time I see you, I want you in my rooms. Yeah. And he... He gets like a vibe for you, for you, and then that was why he said, "Okay, straight, let's do this biopsy because I don't like it. Yeah, you don't feel right. Hmm. Yeah. And was this a doctor that you'd had before? Or was this a new doctor? No, this was so when I had I had the cancer guy who gave me the oh, it's not cancer, mm -hmm. you're not dying, and then I went to an immunologist who deals with this autoimmune stuff, uh -huh. and then, um, and then he gave, he said he wouldn't do another thing to me until he confirmed it. And how? How big of a, a role in how you felt was the vibe of that doctor? Like, did he, do you know what I mean? I liked him. He was yeah. a really, he was a terrible at giving me a cancer diagnosis. So when it was a malignancy, he called <laughs> me and he's like, it's bad, it's bad. Oh, and I, I told him to calm down. I was like, oh. all right. I, something in me just said, it can't be that bad. Yeah. Like, um, Holy moly. Yeah, it was really silly. Did that make your stomach jump or did you no, just immediately I go? I went immediately calm. Like I went immediately like can we just do one thing at a time here? I could just feel his panic, so I calmed him down. It was oh kind of, my goodness. It was interesting. No, I think I just sort of went a little out of my body, frankly. I yeah. think I just was like, there's just absolutely no point at getting hysterical. I need information. Right. And, uh, and that was okay. I got information quite quickly and realized that I'd probably be okay. Yeah. Because um, I can read a research. I was like, have you read the research articles? And he goes, no, I just wanted to tell you. That was the best thing about him. Yeah. Was first of all, he was a vibey guy. Mm -hmm. He also was very tolerant. I was like, I reckon because I do yoga, I'm going to heal from this really well. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be, and he's like, that is such a great way to think. He didn't mm -hmm. say, yes, I agree. <laughs> he just went, you just go right ahead, sweetheart. Yeah. But he, if I ever wrote him a question, so I, again, I was a public patient. Mm -hmm. And so you don't just write your, he, if I emailed him or rang him, he would call me back right away. Like oh, he was so good. responsive. Yeah. And if I said, you know, the steroids are too much. So his responsiveness and care was tremendous in, for my well-being. Yeah. Tremendous. Hmm. So I felt a I had an ally. I mm -hmm. had a partner. I had a person who was caring for me, mm. who listened to me, mm. who heard me, who didn't ever write off, never, ever was impatient with anything I needed to ask. Wild proposals. I mean, you do go in all different directions. And he... Even when I said, I think we need to just cut it out. Like, let's just get it out. And he's like, 
okay. Yeah. But <laughs> you it take never a ever now. wrote that off. Yeah. Right. So he wasn't dismissive, yeah. dismissive yeah. of it. And even in this process now, um, my my doctor's a little less communicative, but he's also organized. I have three surgical teams. Wow. You know, so all with different specialties. He's uh-huh. organized all of that. Yeah. So he's not that communicative with me, but mm-hmm. he's got he's he's, he's organizing things. Yeah. yeah. So this is another doctor now that you've got. Yeah, he was the first guy uh-huh. who told me you're not. Dying. Oh, I see. So you've been passed I'm, back to yeah, him. Then it's I like, see. Okay, you need a you need an. And how did you feel about that? About being passed back to him? Relieved. Yeah. So that was part of it. Was I knew it wasn't this inflammatory thing by the time the steroids didn't work. Yeah. And I was sick of waiting. I yeah. was like this something is not right and and so the it was actually a relief to go okay it's a malignancy that makes total sense yeah like, hello why this explains the pain this explains the progressiveness of it this explains you know when you get the right you're like this is what it feels like right so it was kind of like okay and then it was action stations so i don't have to twist in the wind mm-hmm. waiting passively i am not a passive person i'm not a good <laughs> passive person at all i'm like what can i do yeah so it's been an interesting thing yogically to yeah. have to just calm down and not do and just, you know, be patient and wait and calm. But anyway, so action stations felt good. And then yeah. it was like, okay, let's let's get you in. Let's plan this thing. Let's do this. Mm. So. And what, if anything, did you learn about yourself in the process of having to be so uncomfortable, I suppose, with this waiting? Or even just do the whole thing. that you cannot identify with your mind. You cannot trust your mind at yeah. all. My, my mind is off considering any one of the 100,000 possibilities. It's covered everything. Yeah. In minutes, it covers everything. In the middle of the night, you wake up and off you go, and you're here and you're there. And so the capacity to sit back from it and go, look at you, honey. Look at you. This is None of this is real. Yeah. Right now, you're here... Yes, you feel alone, it's a little scary, but come back to the present, because right now, you're okay. Mm. And it, if I just, so I kind of am proud of myself, yeah. and not that I say, I mean, that's not, I had some moments where it was really sort of sad and scary, but I also have a network of friends, and my family is just incredible. I mean, mm. my, my two children are incredible, and my husband you know, I've, I've had moments in my our marriage where I've been like, grab him by, you know, not I've never actually grabbed him by the neck, but you, you're married to someone for 26 years. Yeah. You can get kind of... For sure. But you know they're the right person when they just, he just knows how to hold that space. He knows mm. how to not let me get, like, talk about it too much. Yeah. And he also knows how not to shut me down at all. I don't know, he's just been very good. So I just have had to come back to that support. Yeah. And then come back to meditating, breathing, and resting. So I have learned that that is the most important yoga to do and how difficult that is for me for whatever reasons. Mm. Interestingly, I ran two yoga for mental health courses in the process. Yeah. So I ran one when I had the inflammatory thing. Yeah. And, and I'm on like steroids and whatever. And I kind of got it down and then did it. And then the other one was when I got the literally the Wednesday after, I don't know when I, Monday they said, okay, it's a malignancy. Yeah. And then Wednesday I started this course. And so I said to the people in the course, this whole course is about authenticity 
and safety and about you doing your work to hold a safe space. Yeah. I have to tell you guys something. And I'm not, I'm not sure whether to burden you with it, but I also can't sit here having this underneath because my face is going to say something different than my words and you're going to feel the incongruence and this isn't going to work. Yeah. And I also wanted to give them the chance to bail. Like for some people that might be triggering or... So I said it and, and I said, so I don't know what's happening because I had no idea how long I'd have to wait. And, you know, the universe just let me finish the course in all good time and get organized and, and that's it. But... Um, and how was it? How was the course as a result? So... Could you feel... So kind of... From, it felt so authentic to me because, I, I, like, I knew the theory behind all this work. Mm-hmm. I know, I know how to. I, I've gone and done a pain course. You know, I've I've been writing and uh, not writing, but reading about trauma and teaching about trauma for years. And I've been all of this stuff, but I haven't been dealing with it myself. I mean, mm. I have a little bit of small t trauma. Like, I wish my parents could have. You know, I don't know what, but yeah, really, never anxiety or or kind of depression or things the fluctuations of the mind like Mm -hmm. this and so to be handling it myself and doing my own work and then holding space felt pretty rubber to the road walk your talk right so i think that that really worked and the feedback was that it worked and that it felt safe and it felt it immediately made a space of kind of confidence and connection did you put into place outside of your you know your yoga practice did you actually put into places or, um, or I guess, engage in some of the act, some of the things that you teach other people to do in this sort oh, yeah. of situation? I had to do it all. Like, yeah. it was a non-negotiable. If I didn't, yeah. so literally day to day, if, say, I don't know, sometimes you have a weekend where people come and visit or, or you, you have a few engagements or you have a few, you put too many things on your calendar, mm. pain is, you know, right up. Sleep is terrible. Mm. Doom, gloom, horrible thoughts. You know, just just bad. Mm. And and you feel really lonely. Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you're all alone on planet cancer and whatever. Mm. Or, um, so yes, if I didn't do my sort of meditation and breathing and and my practice is so beautiful now. <laughs> it's like it's just this devotional like expanding with breath and it's so it's to me it feels like a dance it's really really because if it doesn't have the quality of beauty to it of of like prana to it yeah it's too mechanical doesn't doesn't work with my nervous system Hmm. it's not really effective like yes i could move my hips and kind of have a stretch yeah but that's that band-aidy stuff which used to get me through yeah not even a chance wow not even a chance so it's, and I, I've had all napping, yeah. yoga. So it was just a non-negotiable. So yes, every single thing. And if I didn't, it was like, look what you did. Yeah. You didn't do what you, what you need to do, which is a whole lot less. Man, that is, that can be quite confronting. I could imagine mm-hmm. because teaching it and I mean, there's, I think that there's definitely an aspect of us living what we teach in some small way, regardless. Oh, sure. But, but to kind of be hit in the face with like, oh my goodness, this is the thing. These are the things. And you and I have talked about this yeah. because, yes, we live it. As a baseline, yeah. our percolating baseline is great. You know, we've yeah. got our yogic lifestyle and, yeah. and uh, in moderation as householders. And so the, the bedrock is there mm-hmm. and that's great. And the consistency is there. But both of us are too busy. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and so... Um, 
does one address that or does yeah. one sort of muscle on through yeah. and, and run on cortisol? Yeah, <laughs> kind exactly. Of you just cannot, to burn out? You just <laughs> cannot do it. And that's, um, it just keeps you really honest. And I'm afraid in the worst way. So, but, yeah. you know, I also felt... <coughs> I also felt so grateful to know what to do. Mm. So it isn't as if I was on planet, you know, on planet COVID, yeah. on planet cancer. I was like, you know what to do. Yeah. And I mean, at least you know what to do. So just do it. Yeah. And, and if I took the time, sometimes there was still resistance to do it. Yeah. So interesting how we... What was that? What did that feel like? And did you, did you dive into like, where is this coming from? Well, because I think if you're a bit anxious and you're a little bit in pain and a little bit out of sorts, you don't want to sit down right. and lie down and do some yoga, but you have to. Mm. And um, you want to kind of pace around. And it's it's like, no, you know that this is going to help. Yeah. So you have to be your own teacher. And when I couldn't be my own teachers, I did a lot in the in the bad days of seeking support so see you know talking to you talking to friends um also doing yoga where it was taught by my teachers Mm. so i did they know what was going on oh yeah yeah. okay and i asked them for their zoom recordings and things like that Mm -hmm. and they were so generous with me and so supportive and i see i see libby nelson on a weekly basis so that just became huge and then judy krupp was also just just been so incredibly supportive to me and i did a lot of her stuff and, and, you know, it was interesting because I'm doing the mental health course talking about the way a yoga teacher and your voice and your relationship and your and your trust that you've built up over time, mm. not that you just got there Wednesday and you trust them by Thursday. Yeah. These, both these women I've known for 20 years, you know, so that was, oh, that was such a resource. And if I couldn't do it myself, I could listen to them. Yeah. And that was really, really comforting because you just then go, well, all right, just don't think. Don't, you're not reliable right now. Yeah. So co-regulate with something and then you'll be back on your self-regulating. And that, that works. Mm. Did that for you um, kind of solidify or give you different insights into the value and importance of having a teacher or having a mentor? Or yeah. Because it's slightly different to your, to your husband or to your children or... Just that relationship. The relationship of a teacher or mentor is very much... I, I think that, that teachers benefit very much from mentoring. I, mm. And I have, when I've mentored, benefited an enormous amount from mentoring. Yeah. But... And I've provided a lot of support, I suppose, in those directions, too. You become friends and that's it. But, wow, I felt supported. I felt, I felt allowed to let it be one way. Mm. They really just—it wasn't in any way about. They just made it about me, yeah. and and gosh, I felt I felt supported. And I I don't you know I feel really lucky that that's something that I've had. And I, I you know I didn't set out to have that. Yeah. I'm really lucky that um, I got to know Libby during my training. I worked again on the training, and then I would every once in a while ring her up, and she sweetly would and we'd go out to lunch and and I would tell her sort of what I'm thinking about and then she'd tell me a few books and kind of angle it and in a way I've followed her pathway so as she's developed I've been about five years behind or Uh something on on absorbing it and then I've had much more time in the last few years to work with her more closely because I've I can go to yoga more yeah and Judy's Judy's the same I've worked alongside her and learned so much 
I don't know how you find a mentor in this day and age. Mm. And I've had the people who I have mentored found me and they didn't just say, can you mentor me? Because that was frank. I was like, sure, what do you need? You know, don't burden me with it. So I I don't think I ever burdened them with it. I made it so that I could sit at their feet and I could absorb from them Mm -hmm. and support them in whatever way I could. Mm. And that's what... um, for instance, Robin Bell, mm-hmm. who I've talked about, she she mentored her, herself, but she just came into my presence and if she had questions, would do that. And the people I've mentored, I don't know, they book some time. They've got fool's camp pages of questions. Yeah. They're like, okay, wow. so my next question is this. <laughs> and they have really prepared themselves yeah. to use the time with me. Yeah. So that's to me, that's mentoring themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a need to... There's that inter interaction that you know mm. that sh- that can help to shape it and all the rest yeah, of it. But you're I right; get, they're doing the work. They do the work, but I get to know them and yeah. I get to know um, kind of what they need or what their tendencies are or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you can kind of. But it so it definitely goes both ways. Mm. But they didn't make it hard for me to do that. Mm. So that I, I think see. I think that's really important. If you yeah. want a mentor, find someone you really admire, and then pay for their workshops and rock up or ask if you can assist or mm. you know and and then really assist don't yeah. say then what can i do like you <laughs> really yeah really get assist. in there yeah. right. clean the toilet sweep yeah. the floor like there's there's do the um, things yeah. Yeah. yeah don't have them don't rely on them don't to tell you what think, to do because yeah because i think there are you know you know how busy you are and, mm. and you don't want to have to you've got you've got your own family and stuff to take care of it's yeah. enough yeah but it's if you can say well how about would this work yeah would this be amenable to you yeah mm. wow i'm wondering you've got two adult i can't even it's hard for me to even consider your daughters being adult but they are adults yeah, um they vote you've got, yeah. yeah you've got two adult daughters and i wondered for you what what how, how the how you've experienced this in terms of your relationship with them how, what you know of how they're experiencing it and and you know because as a daughter yourself and I'm a daughter too holy shit like mm. it's a scary prospect when you know I couldn't I don't I, my mom's like 70 something <laughs> and it'd be hard for me to even think about the possibility of her dying or even just her being you know ill in some serious way and your daughters are in their 20s they're young and they are young, and you're young too you know they're not I'm young and they're young but in one way we've done a really big milestone yeah like my daughter my second daughter just got her first job so so in some way they have both less than left the nest yeah. you know they both live away and they're and they're now both employed and, mm. and so it's interesting because you go through that and you, it, had it been earlier, I would have. That would have been really, really difficult. When, when I feel like, and they, they still need you in their early twenties a lot. Yeah. Um, but now the relationship is so. Now I, my feeling is, I know they need me, but I also the friendship is so incredible. The support that I've gotten from them is. I just love our relationship. Mm. It's so much fun and so nourishing. But I, I also, I really want to watch these human beings come into full flower and yeah. watch what how they serve in the world you know yeah. they've both chosen careers where they're really in service and you know I'm so proud of them 
but it, I have also had a sense of how they are experiencing it. Yeah. And and both of them, I see my younger one quite a bit because she's really close. So she, they're very, they're, she's so attentive to me. But then I can be attentive to her too. I don't yeah. know. It's just it's sweet. I can feel a sweetness. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh, mommy," because I used to complain about things like I, I, I want to go sit soft after the dining room table because my for years my I, my leg just like got sick of sitting on a dining room chair. Well, of course, it was squishing an artery that was <laughs> limited. And but they were a bit fed up with that. And yeah. they're like, "Oh, mommy, sorry. <laughs> you know, sorry we give you a hard time. Give you a hard time." And uh, so I feel very vindicated on that. Thing. But it was interesting, um, my older daughter, I called her when I got a test result, and there was a little bit of a shadow about the result, which was this node that they found, and Mm -hmm. it said it was okay, so I called her and I said, I got it back and it's okay, and she called me back 20 minutes later and she said, you just told me it was okay, but your face told me it wasn't. Hmm. And so she's really, really intuitive, Hmm. and I know she's talked about the support she's got from friends, and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting when you go, oh yeah, you're going through this too. Mm. And, you know, you're yeah. handling your first job, the first year of her first job, and yeah. the, all of that sort of stuff. So um, she, they're finding out who their supports are and who nourishes them. I'm really grateful for having was a yoga of relationships. Mm. There is very little in the way of our relationship. Like, there is nothing that those kids can't say to me and mm. that I can't share with them. A- and we're quite happy to get a little... It's okay if it gets gritty and a little uncomfortable. Mm. Honesty and like straight out has been something that I just have have really brought them up with, I think. Mm. And and that's that's come to roost now because it's we don't have to I don't know. There's no hiding things. It all just bubbles straight up and it's out. Mm-hmm. In a way, and and they know how to tolerate it too. Like they know how to self-regulate, which is also really good to see. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, what they're doing good. to calm their bodies down. Yeah. Which for so long feels like osmosis, because for so long they're like, oh, yoga, you know. <laughs> in certain stages. Yeah. 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 Oh. But I, you know, I don't want to leave. You do think about that, and you think, okay, what if I die? Like, yeah. And there's no, you, we can all die. There's a really great yeah. Australian movie called Look Both Ways. I don't know it. No. Um, it's actually made by William McGuinness and his wife who had a diagnosis of breast cancer and has since died. Oh. Um, and she, it's about a guy who has this diagnosis, you've got it all over, like that's it. You've got only so long to live. And then at the same time he falls in, he meets and falls in love with this woman. Can you do that? Yeah. And at one point, I don't want to blow it, but at one point in the movie she steps off a curb and this car just swerves around her. And it was almost her to go first. Right. So it was so, it was such a fascinating look at, we're all dying. Yeah. You know, and we have no idea what can happen. And COVID, I think, was the best example of this. Life goes gaily along and we're all in our trance and then it's like, Exactly. (laughs) I was exactly thinking the same thing. And you know, we all know you get to a certain age and people's lives go take a corner and that's it and so you need your resources in place before that and if i you know i thought i knew that but i wow do i know that yeah and i'm so kind of happy that i had some stuff there and so now it's just galvanized me in my mission and i think you're on the same mission Mm. it's like really to give people resources to share this because i don't know how people do it without yeah Mm. I wonder, at this moment, is there anything that you're fearful of? Yes, sure. 
So I've had different processes. So, um, so my leg's going to be like, they're going to open it up mm. and chop out an artery and replace it with a vein. Like it's, I don't think it's going to be very pretty. Yeah. You know, and I will have lymphatic drainage problems. Yeah. So I may have to wear a pressure stocking. Well, I mourned that for a couple of weeks, you know, yeah. my beautiful leg, which is not, you know, it's just a 54 year old leg, but it's, um, it served me well. <clears throat> I'm so glad I had time to mourn my lymphatic drainage yeah. and it, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I keep myself quite fit and I move a lot. And mm. so all of the indications are good and it might not be as bad, but I may have, that may be something. Yeah. I might be one of those people with a, with a, um, pressure stocking on. For the rest of my life and and I so then you meet people I, so I'm at um, at a retreat just I taught on Judy Krupp's retreat briefly and one of her students has lymphatic drainage problems in both of her legs mm. and she lives with it just fine and suddenly people tell you the good stories or just incidentally press present you with what you need right when you need it hmm. which is it's fine, fine. Yeah. and she said the only thing is you don't want to you don't want to gain weight because you feel every ounce right so I was like okay note to self yeah that's a good reason you know and uh and the heat you know whatever but I mean I feel the heat in, the, in that anyway so yeah it was so good to see that she's functioning just fine mm. and then you begin to look around as you move in the world and you hear about COVID and you hear you see people with disabilities and you you think this person is living with far more challenges than I am going to be living with mm. and I so i but that took it took all the stages of grief to go through. Yeah. And now I am not worried about that at all. Like I'm just gonna do what I have to do to yeah. that's it. So it's nice to have the time to kind of work through that and let yourself feel it. And so I'm uh, the one thing I really don't want two things. I'm scared that they screw it up. You yeah. know, that that they nick something or whatever. Um, if I die that's cool because I'm not gonna wake up and you know, that's fine. But I wouldn't I don't wanna have a stroke or do something like that yeah I've got all my paperwork in place for that those sorts of things but so that's one thing you have to trust and surrender these yeah. people do not want that either yeah they that was the last thing they want they're human beings and so am I that's what it is mm. thank goodness I'm fit and well and going in as healthy as I could be mm. for whatever that is you know so that's a reason to take care of yourself yeah not so you don't get something but so when you do get something or your partner gets something and you have to sit day after day in the hospital mm. next to them and hold a space for them, you are equipped. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I don't want it to hurt, but then my friend the other day, I'm having, I'm worried a little bit about the pain after and the recovery. She just got her three year scan, she's clear. Mm -hmm. And she had stage three, lots in her abdomen, had her wow. abdomen opened, all this stuff, a huge surgery, yeah. radical hysterectomy and everything. And she just got her three year clear scan. And she said at no point after her surgery did she ever have a feeling like the pain was overwhelming. She mm. said they took care of it so well. Yeah. You know, so I, I, it's like, okay, that story just made me go, eh. Yeah. It's funny, I don't feel my mind relaxed because I no longer trust my mind at all. Right. I don't check with my mind about yeah. what I think at all. I check with my body. Yeah, wow. And I can feel that my body goes, eh, yeah. okay. They're going to take care of me. If it, if it hurts, I'm going to say something. They're going to take care. You know, it'll be fine. Mm. So being in pain, I just hope afterwards, like once it's all healed, I don't have to take any more. I'm sick of Anything. taking something any, every day. Yeah. And I haven't even had to take big, big gun pain drugs. Yeah. So in so many ways, I've been so lucky. But I, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think I'm, 
there's a part of me that wants to to acknowledge you to say that you have been lucky for sure but i think you've all in some ways you've made a bit of that luck too in the way that you think in the way that you live in the way that you you know care for yourself and and in the way that you've approached all of this too you know you can't know how you're going to be and i i felt the same when dad died and we we you know we were with him until he died and then yeah. we washed him and got him ready and part of you was going oh my gosh this is happening and the other part of you was going you're all right yeah you're all right like just be here and that that I'm not sure if I could have done that even five years ago do you mm. know I don't know if I, I feel like I've arrived at a place in my practice or in my where I really have that now and I, mm. I just think did that take 30 years to you know and that feeling, you know that. So that's yeah. um, it's really since I've been working with more with breath and prana and less yeah. that sort of physical anatomical practice and more that. But um, I don't know. You don't know how you're going to be. But so I've been really, I guess, pleased and surprised and comforted that I could stay with it. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. You know, it, it makes it sound okay. There's been lots of times, although I haven't like kicked and cried. I don't know. Yeah. It's been reasonably reasonable equanimity. Is there? And what I'm I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you on the other side of your surgery. Mm, me too. <laughs> because, I did that a lot. I yeah. kept saying, I kept when I really thought it was awful. Yeah. I kept saying, I'm going to look back on this and go, remember that? Yeah. And I kept that was where I allowed myself not to be in the present. Mm. And I thought these things take time; they take years. You yeah. meet people who've had a bad yeah. back and it took years, or they had digestive distress and it took years, yep. or you know, we we talked to Christine Weber and she said, I don't know how many years she had some parasite. And yeah, it was years. Yep, years. Um, most of the people we've had on the podcast have yeah. had some something crisis. for what was it? Uh, Caitlin who had Lyme disease for ten years. Ten years. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. So there is a point if you, you if you do your practice or whatever that you will look back and it doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed and we tie a big bow. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have a big scar and lymphatic drainage stuff and I and I might feel the difference forever, but um, who knows what I'll have? Mm. But and I and I might have cancer come back. You know, mm. you can't. But for the most part, I think it's about looking about that's where you go. Okay, I have now, and if now isn't so good, yeah. I have later. You're right. Uh-huh. And as I as I learned more anatomy, that embodiment thing started to come. Mm-hmm. That was a really good way to do that and learn about safety. And it was still it was very musculoskeletal, um, food body level. Yeah. And then, and then it was you know it was getting more energetic, I suppose, and more more um, as I became kind of an older householder, I suppose. But mm. it really in it is the last ten years, and and a lot, a lot due to Libby, and a lot due even with Judy. I went in lots of somatic places, and in lots of um, Feldenkrais places and things. Mm-hmm. So you you add, you learn things, and integrate things with each person that you work with. Something else comes in, and I think when Alma said it, you have to shed your skin. Yeah. Which I kind of have been willing to do, and I did my teacher training with Louise Solomon and Yoga Lattes, uh-huh. and she was someone who kept, yes, she calls it the Yoga Lattes method, but she was so eclectic in adding things. If she learned about something, she incorporated that research, or she was so she tipped her hat and and 
was going to include. And I think that openness, and I also, mm -hmm. both Libby and, and Judy as teachers, have never ever like held on to their method or their way. Mm. They've both been really open to learning and sharing and, and to, and also to acknowledging me way, way beyond my capacity, very generously, but um, inviting that forward yeah. and saying, you know it for yourself, mm. you know, really. So I think that invites you, it has to be, to shed skins and, and, and I think the danger is is when you don't reintegrate. When you when you get new knowledge or new revelations or new circumstances, mm. then you need to have a bit of a crisis <laughs> even if, and, and you need to then reconfigure. Yeah. Have you found that with yours too, that it's always been? No, there's definitely been a shift. Mm. There's definitely been a change and what I'm what I'm often present to is the residue of what was mm -hmm. that's still flowing through, mm -hmm. and you know that it's like that. that I'm, I imagine that I will get to a point where what I'm doing is so complete; it's almost unrecognizable from what it would have been, you know, five, ten years ago or something. Why though? Well, I mean, maybe in your teaching, I, yeah. I don't know, in your because I think you're there. Yeah. I'm there. I'm at You're the center there. of it, but I think mm. my attention, yes, my <laughs> okay. I hear you. what I'm experiencing, and and even what I'm doing, like the way that I'm maybe moving or or being with myself and with the space that I'm in, is just like it's something I couldn't have ever even imagined. You know, and I guess that's kind of what evolution is like, isn't it? It's sort of, there is a point at which we, we become something wholly different, mm. you know? Well, isn't that the point? Yeah, I, mean, I think so. Yoga is really about meeting change yeah. with some equanimity. Yeah. And you're like, no, no, no. And then it says, well, we actually, yes. yeah. <laughs> Come with me or, you yeah. know. And the students have said that. Yeah. They've reflected, because I've been teaching 20 years yeah. and they're like, it feels like we've studied everything you've ever studied over the years and integrated yeah. it as it goes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, remember that stage where you're going through that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it, I mean, really, that is everything has changed. That's yeah. your only. That's your only guaranteed. Mm. And yoga helps you deal with it. And does that so knowing or acknowledging that your practice is forever changed? Is that something that's exciting for you? Is that especially because for me sometimes transformation happens in a way that is can be almost imperceptible yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis but that ability to go to 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 be so um present and so witnessed to what caused it what the change actually was and then how that hmm. that i wonder about and you know what actually i'll, I'll keep going because this leads into yeah, my next question good, yeah. which is is there any part of this experience that you are grateful for Hmm. Yes, there is. I know what you're asking. Do you know what I would put that down to, Not in terms of the first part, which yeah. is about knowing change? Sometimes you know when you've learned something. You mm. can almost feel your cells change, yeah. like as the person, the words leave the some teacher's mouth yeah. or something, and you think, okay, I'm different forever. Yeah. But the integration part of it is usually slower. Yeah. And I think that's what at least the last five, ten years has shown me is my, my practice has been much more consistent. Mm. And the consistency 
is almost how you know you're changing because hmm. it's like you meet yourself in the same place each day yep. and so you're like ooh, different to last week different to different yeah. you know or the same or I'll tr- I'll do that and so there's a kind of and this is why I've just you know it's, everybody has to practice a little bit of something every day because I think that that makes such an enormous difference so that's I think that's really how you see you're changing and, mm-hmm. and, and in a way it's like watching your kids grow you don't yeah but every yeah. once in a while you get a thing of like ooh, I've changed mm-hmm. uh, that changed yeah. and um, yeah the grateful for is well I've been grateful for the learning mm. like I had I had a client who came to me to get off opioids and uh, from you know being on pain medication and and I could so be with her with pain mm. It's just it's not pain theory because mm-hmm. I'm a very good per- I, I keep myself quite defended um, by learning things intellectually and theoretically and then I almost turn around once I got that I'm like yeah I got that I can teach that and I'll yeah. teach everybody that and I'm great at the facts Jack and <laughs> here it is but to feel it is a whole other thing whether yeah. I'll let myself feel it and so letting myself feel it mm. um, I'm, I'm yeah I'm great in that way and I'm also grateful like I taught I taught some friends another woman I know who swims had lung cancer and has never meditated and really was very agitated and didn't know what to do she's like well I can either listen to something or listen to the BBC in the middle of the night and I thought oh gosh that's a little intense it's not like a Dharma talk yeah so um, we've been doing meditation and and I could teach it in Mm. a way coming from a really different place than I would have otherwise Hmm. a really a place of kind of trauma-informed place and a place of knowing how difficult it is when you've got a lot of challenges and when your mind's all over the place. So yeah. I've developed a lot. Like, it's been a big grown-up year. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I, and I'm grateful for that. But then I'm, 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 all I'm left with is gratitude. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll cry probably because I just feel my heart so full. Yeah. And I cannot believe that next week, in eight days, I'm going in for this thing I've actually never felt better or more grateful or more calm or more, I don't know. Yeah. I'm starting to think like I might have, I might just be in some kind of brain, you know, cuckoo-ness or something. <laughs> like, you know, you know your body's it, like preparing really hurts, you. Yeah. you know? yeah. Maybe. Well, whatever. You know? Yeah. But it's, it's like, no, you know, I am okay. I think something in me has surrendered. Yeah. I've done what I can. I'm doing what I can. And then the rest, I've just got to, I've got to trust and go. And I have the, best nicest people and I just what else could I have so mm. it's that 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 sangha and also that family you know this family and friends and stuff is huge mm. Mm. and nobody's it's not too much it's just it's just there yeah, yeah. so oh I, I guess I'm grateful and I, I think in COVID was a time for you to be grateful for your gifts if you were one of the privileged yeah anyone who said there's a silver lining to COVID is the is the is the parade of the privileged mm-hmm. you know say staying home in my you know three bedroom beautiful sunlit yeah. whatever or you know whatever it was mm-hmm. my safe home mm-hmm. with all it needs to be i think we really had opportunities this year to yeah. do a lot of inquiry and practice and, and whereas other people i think it must have just been a screaming white knuckle ride of stress yeah you know, I, as much as the business shut down the government sure. took care of me we were innovated we've been able to survive it so yeah yeah you just count your blessings yeah Yeah, and I count you amongst my blessings I'm so grateful for you I mean we talk about it we talk about this all the time but 
in this particular situation, this is a kind of, this is an experience that I think everyone has in the back of their minds, their greatest fears, you know, like the boogeyman under the bed and the, you know, and the, the, the parent or something who dies or the children, the child, whatever it is. And cancer is one of them. And so I really, really appreciate your willingness to share your experience just so, just in the way that you do. So honestly and authentically and into the nitty gritty and, and, you know, back out into the beauty of the whole experience and how it's contributed to you. So I just love that you can come in and ask about it. Yeah. And that's what I've loved about our conversations. Mm. I mean, to me, that's been, it's been this like sustaining stepping stones, yeah. conversation to conversation. You know, when you, when we, when we've made an appointment and we're like, Oh, I'm going to see Shara. My, it's, it's, it, I guess it's less fluttery than a date, but it's almost <laughs> as exciting. I have this like rise of joy in yeah, me, same. and I just think to be able to make a friend like that is so important yeah. and, and so lovely. But it's and to be open to that, but also to meet someone where you can ask those questions yeah. and that we can be like that. And I think we delved in with racism, and we've delved in, and it's it's been I I love the frankness and the openness and the realness of our conversations. Yeah, me too. And that I think, however we got that trust or whatever it was that clicked, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. And that we can share it with other people is, is I think, amazing. Yeah. You know, who, who knows who's listening. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope that that, that conversation was enlightening for you in some way. I definitely want to take a moment to say a big thanks to Maria for her willingness to be so honest and open-hearted about a challenging situation. I can also tell you that we were, we'll do our best as we move forward to keep you up to date on what's happening with Maria and how she's, how she's getting on and how she's healing. Uh, and I can tell you as well that this podcast itself, even having conversations and thinking about who we're going to have conversations with, uh, from what Maria has told me is a really big part of her healing. So thank you so much for being on the other end of it, um, for being out there listening, for the messages that you're sending us and the kind words. We really appreciate it. We look forward to to doing more of this and to sharing more of this with you. And so happy, happiest holidays to you. And until next time, take care of yourselves. Namaste. Thank you.